Hello and welcome to the Life is Story podcast. I'm Josh Olds, and today this is our video podcast debut. Fingers crossed, hoping that it works, and I have decided uh, to sit down with the inimitable Tosca Lee. Uh, so Tosca, thank you for gracing us with your presence today on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Also, the moment that I start, my cat has decided to come sit on my lap as well, so already uh... we have a have a good introduction here we have an invasion mm-hmm. so We're being I guess invaded. first question for you uh and i get for those that are like listening to this maybe a year from now uh everybody in the united states is virtually virtually everybody is in quarantine right now due to uh coronavirus so this is the question that we've all been asking each other and ourselves over the course of the past couple of weeks is just, how are you holding up Fine. I, um, I'm a novelist and I, I don't like to leave the house if I don't have to. So I feel like I'm in my element. Um, the only thing is we're in the middle of home renovation and every single room has something going on and not one of those projects is fully finished. So they're all going on at once and the dust is bad and I have a cold and people think I'm, I'm sick with, you know, the coronavirus, but I'm not. So there's that, but other than that, I, um, you know, it's all good here. We're doing okay. Yeah, that's good to so, hear. And, and I cook, so I'm cooking. <laughs> Very good. All right, so now second question for you, and that's that you you recently wrote a two-book series, uh, The Line Between and a Single Light, and you sort of explored a dystopian world that was created uh, in the aftermath of a virus did that prepare you at all for this real life problem? Um, I don't know if it prepared me. I, I will say that the last few weeks have been a little, um, a little eerie or deja vu or a little weird. Um, there's some things that I thought, you know, when, when I was writing the books, I really just thought I was making things up and I've watched them play out in the news. And so that's been really bizarre. Um, so, no, it hasn't prepared me, but I'm definitely exploring the idea of writing a book about a novelist who wins the lottery mm-hmm, next time mm-hmm. around. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you have your doomsday bunker ready just in case things get worse. <laughs> well, I, I am married to a, a farmer who's a hunter and fisherman. So I, the funny thing is, I guess it's part of being a novelist, but you know, when we got married and marrying into this hunting fishing family and watching my oldest son go off to trap shoot events and he's a champion trap shooter. I, every time I watched him trap shoot, I would think we are totally prepared for the zombie apocalypse <laughs> because I just knew that our family can pick off anything on the horizon. And, and I don't know if I'm the only one who thinks that way, but, um, yeah, I think we're we have our own well water. I mean, really, the farm is the place to be. So, yeah, yeah, we yeah. We're perfectly prepared for it. So, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to have you on the program today just because I have been I have been really nostalgic in in recent months, and I have been going through all of Ted Decker's backlist and revisiting all of those books. Um, I I first picked up a Ted Decker book in two thousand and four. It was the book Blink, 
And that just kind of began a journey that uh, continues on to this day because Ted's you know, not writing at quite the pace that he was, uh, but still, still putting out new novels. And in, uh, I think around 2010 was around the time that you intersected um, with that trajectory. And I, I, I wanted to, to bring you on the podcast so that you could talk about the books that you wrote with Ted and sort of your writing journey and how it intersected with his. That's like 10 years ago. Can you believe that? I mean, I know, that was a decade. I know. It's, it's incredible. I, I just realized that that is so weird to me because I, I don't think of it as a decade yeah. ago. So, yeah. Yeah, that was, um, that was something I, I didn't see coming. It was not part of my writing plan. And um, how that happened is a lot – this happens a lot in publishing where you can – you can have a book out and you can buy the rights back or, you know, otherwise transfer publishers. And I was in the process of transferring publishers, which means that my first two books uh, were about to be re-released by a different imprint, which means they put a whole new cover on it with their logo on the spine and, and all that. And my very first novel, Demon, a memoir was one that, you know, as when you're a first novelist and you, you, have a book come out, you go out and you try to get those blurbs that go on the cover and stuff. And you don't have a, a huge wide circle of influence. You might know a few people. And so for, for me, you know, just a couple of years into my career, that represented a, a, an opportunity for me to get some new blurbs and endorsements and stuff for that re-release. And so I reached out to Ted uh, via a group that we're both members of, um, of multi-published authors and just asked if he'd be willing to do that. And what I didn't know at the time was that my name had been brought up to him as a potential co-author. So when I wrote to him and said, hey, would you get a blurb for this book? Um, he said, what are you working on now? You know, and wanted, wanted to kind of know what the state of my career and contract situation was. And I was like, dude, are you going to, you want to blurb my book or not? <laughs> so, and that's how that conversation started. Um, so yeah, and I, that was, I can't believe that was a decade ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. the first time that I met you was in Chicago. I, this, this is not in my notes. I'm, I'm trying to pull this off the top of my head. I think in Chicago, maybe at the gathering at, in, uh, in 2010, it would have been April, 2010. So almost, almost 10 years ago. Exactly. I'm pretty sure that would have been uh, your first experience, really, uh, into the Decker universe. I mean, I mean, I guess you'd been prepared because you had you had known Ted and had been riding with him. Um, but how did that? How? I mean, I'm I'm putting you on the spot because I'm asking you to remember something from ten years ago. <laughs> uh, but what was that introduction into the Decker fan base like? Well, it was. You know, I, I, it was something that, that we had kind of prepared for because it was like, how are we going to introduce this concept of these new, new books to his fan base? And one thing I'd already observed about the, the, the fans were that um, they were pretty protective and possessive of, of Ted, actually. So um, there was this, like, how's the best way to do this? Will they be accepting of me? Um, and so we just decided I would come into, I think you're right, I think it was Chicago, to one of the gatherings, and we would talk, and 
um, and we would have like a, a an onstage conversation. We we're talking about writing, and then I think he just brought it up and said something like, "Well, we should do a book together," or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I really wasn't sure how that was going to go over. Um, and I've talked about this before, um, so and it, it we were very blessed. It went over just fine, as far as I know. Um, we had, there was a signing, a book signing afterwards. And, you know, it's like, we kind of hit a snag because it was like, my books weren't able to get in. So I didn't have any books there. So, you know, basically I, but I, I had the chance to mingle, uh, with some fans and, and talk to them and just hang out. And, um, and it was great. And it was like, it was the start of what has now become a decade long relationship with a lot of readers, um, that I met in that way or who came to some of my other books through that series that I did with Ted. And, um, and it's been the start of a, of a really great relationship with a lot of readers. And so, um, but I'm not going to lie. It was a little intimidating. Um, cause there's also a lot of, a lot of you guys, a lot of them, you, you know, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's quite the, quite the experience to just throw you into like right from the very, very beginning. Um, I was also thinking that I, I'm pretty sure, um, I'm I'm pretty sure that that you were really the first co-author that Ted had that was sort of accessible uh, to mm-hmm. to his readers because before that he had, he had written the the two books um, Blessed Child and A Man Called Blessed with Bill Bright and uh, obviously uh, like Bill Bright. Uh, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, not really a fiction writer. It was just sort of a sort of a team up, and I don't know. I'll have to ask Ted exactly how how that process worked. Um, but you know, Bright was sort of the the larger figure in that. And then uh, a couple of years before he had he started writing with you, then he co-authored House with Frank Peretti, and again Peretti, sort of the bigger name. Uh, at the time of the two, and uh, not not as accessible uh, to the Decker fan base, and then and then you come along, um, and that that's who you get to follow is Frank Peretti uh, to say, all right, I also <laughs> write with Ted, and uh, and I think that accessibility really uh, really worked with the fans. Um, nearly. Every Decker fan that I know is a bigger Tosca Lee fan, and that, that might in, that that actually that might include Ted Decker himself uh, on a, on one of his more <laughs> humble days. Um, but yeah, virtually every every Ted Decker fan that I know, and I know quite a few, um, and my listeners can can probably vouch this. Um, are just as big or bigger Tosca Lee fans as well. Aww. So we, it really um, brought you into the community, and we're not going to let you go. You're stuck with us. Oh, well, thank you. I, I love that. And, um, you know, I, I am grateful every single day to get to do this job. And I take the job of being an entertainer because that's what it is. I'm entertaining. Yes, I, I like to be able to put things in books that help educate or teach people or help people think about things in a new way. But um, but it's entertainment. If we just wanted to learn, we would just be reading nonfiction, right? So um, I take that job really seriously. And I, I truly love my 
every reader that comes to me and I really love interacting and I, I love, uh, I call that the candy part of the job, you know, that's the fun part, you know, it's like, I, I love it. So, um, I consider it an honor, um, to, to have every reader in my life and I'm grateful every single day. And I, and I have to say too, um, Peretti, I grew up reading Peretti. And so, and he is a delightful person. He's, he's a wonderful, lighthearted, um, fun person. He's actually, I think, keynoting at Realm Makers this year. So, um, I think he's going to be there. Um, delightful person. Um, he, I, he's, I don't see him on social media or, or anything like that quite really, but, um, I think that could be a generational thing. Um, but for me, I, I think in this age of social media, it's just so fun and so great to be able to interact um, with readers. So I am very, very, very grateful to be welcomed into the fold and um, to also bring uh, those who want to come with me along on any adventure. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have to add, too, that I, I didn't forget about Aaron Healy who was uh, who co-wrote Kiss wow. with him at the time. Uh, uh, I think she didn't quite have the same sort of fan interaction level because um, her, her job also editing um, kind of put her almost a more behind-the-scenes role. Uh, so this was really a time when Ted was reaching out to people to say, hey, do you want to write a book with me uh, at this stage of his yeah. career? And uh, I think it was so helpful for so many people uh, in their own careers to just get seen oh, yeah. by just get seen by more people and um, you know it's absolutely uh, it, it worked well for, for Aaron and I both and and Aaron is uh, an author in her own right now too and she she's also a delightful person and just a wonderful genuine beautiful person so if you ever get a chance to meet her go to one of her signings uh, definitely do yeah so you, you know, this process came together. It seemed like you know Ted was sort of feeling you out to be like, is this the person that I want uh, to write with? Did he already have in mind this is the story that I want to tell, or did you guys just come together and be like, how, you know, what was the starting process? He's like, do you have some ideas? And I, I don't know if I've ever admitted this to anybody. I was like, I have no ideas right now, but I can come up with some. <laughs> so I, I was like, I will quickly come up with some ideas. So, um, so I did. And, and the, you know, ideas are basically just like premises, 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 story premises. <laughs> and, um, you know, just kind of themes, you know, themes, um, Ted's books tend to be very thematic. Mm-hmm. I tend to start with a premise. And so, um, you know, not long after, I want to say maybe a few days or a week or something, we got on the phone. It was like, okay, here's some ideas. One of the ideas was, um, you know, this idea that um, not everybody was, was, well, I think originally it was not everybody had a soul and it, it became not everybody is fully alive. And that is what evolved into the books of mortals, this idea that people are going through the motions of a life that is dictated by fear and um and they don't know that they're not fully alive and um and that was really fun it was really fun to flesh out it was 
fun to research. And you might be saying, how do you research something like that? But it was set 500 years in the future in Rome. And the citadel there was really based on the Vatican, on Vatican City, which um, I'm not sure if a lot of people know that. But um, so that was really fun and exciting. Um, the rivers and things like that are real rivers in the city in Rome. Um, so it's based off a real map. And um, yeah, so the adventure began there. Yeah, wow. So this uh, this series it has a lot of similarities to the Circle Trilogy, which is probably Ted's most famous work. Mm -hmm. um, was there a point in the writing process where either one of you just went, okay, uh, this is going to be uh, this is going to be a similar kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, we we wrote it uh, for fans of the Circle series, and you'll you'll see like a, a hidden Easter egg or two in there, mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure you've seen. But um, that was done intentionally um, for that that fan base who wanted something else, a new adventure um, along that same ilk. So um, yeah, there is that. Um, but we did try to make sure to introduce some memorable and different characters along the way. I'm smiling because I'm thinking of Trifon, who was one of my mm -hmm. favorite characters in the whole series, because he was just kind of goofy and <laughs> kind of funny. And um, so, yeah, we we tried to do something for those those readers, but also slightly different. So, yeah, so it definitely has. I. Mean, it definitely has its thematic similarities. Um, the symbolism, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's almost like looking at the same themes from a very, from a much different perspective. Um, so, so in a sense, it's not that you're being told the same story. This is a vastly different story, but the same kind of things that it brings up in your mind, the things that it forces you to think about, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of overlap there uh in in many in many many ways yeah. so when, when you were writing this i mean what was your writing process like was it like okay you know i'm gonna write a chapter you're gonna write a chapter and then we edit each other's things or was it you know how did how did that story flow it's very difficult i think to take two people and to get them to write one cohesive story i, I mean you would know that better than i would um so what was that <laughs> what, what what was that like well, um, it, it's hard at first. I'm not going to lie. And, you know, every partnership I've known, and I've known a lot of authors who write with partners. And as far as I can tell, everybody does it differently. And the real trick is finding the way that's going to work um, for for that particular partnership. And I think there's a lot of kind of fumbling around involved and, um, you know, kind of just figuring it out as you go um, for us. I, you know, it was important to Ted to have a, a very collaborative um, situation where um, it wasn't like a James Patterson mo model where he was coming up with a story and somebody else was, you know, taking the lead on it. it he really wanted to write a story um, with someone else and be bouncing those ideas back and forth. And so um, that's time consuming. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I think the first book took twice as long as it would have taken for either one of us to write it alone. Um, because either one of us can put out a book fairly quickly. So, and it was, it was a matter of, of also blending voices, which is 
at the time was really, really uh, kind of difficult because I had just come off of writing Hava, the story of Eve, mm-hmm. and that was that's a very lyrical, you know, kind of more literary style. And he had just come off of writing some serial killer thrillers. Yes. So, um, <laughs> so. Um, on the first book, I took the lead on some of the, on, on probably the majority of the chapters. But what we did is he would rewrite and then give it to me and I would rewrite and then he would rewrite again. And so what we were going for was a, a blend, a common voice between the two of us, some kind of middle ground. And it took a while to figure that out. The second book, which went much faster, and we were both jumping in and taking different chapter, chapters or different sections and starting the rough draft and then passing it back and forth, rewriting once again. Um, by then, that you know, after you you do the layers like this, like rewrite, 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 it's like making a, a lacquer with you know layers mm-hmm. of this veneer. And the third book was so fast. It was like, okay, I'm going to go do this part. You get, you go to that part, or I'm going to do this part, but I left this section because I don't want to write that part. You go in and write it because by then you also know each other's strengths, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're so familiar with them. And I think that's another part of, of a writing partnership. You have to know each other's strengths, but also you have to trust each other. You have to have a trust built up. And that only comes from experience and from having written a lot of words together yeah so yeah did you ever find that yeah. you know it that there was like okay i'm he's re, like ted's restraining me from this direction that i want to go or i'm restraining him from this direction now, i like what you, you pointed out that you, that you kind of better with sort of the plotting and let's get the story structure set and ted's more big picture thematic uh that's you i think very 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 true uh from his writing was there a point when you're just like okay all right settle down let's let's just tell a story and was there any points where mm-hmm. he was like and well you know how tad is i think this was probably a good description <laughs> of it and just you know really going no this is what we're going to do and it's going to do this and this is what it's going to mean and five people will understand but i'll be one of them there was um there was a, a point in the first book where there's there's a character who dies in the first mm-hmm. book and it was originally supposed to be someone else and um we got on i don't know if it was facetime then it was whatever the thing was back then <laughs> a decade was, ago yeah it was like um, a chisel and you had to yeah it was 20 2009 yeah, right. so who knows what we were doing back then yeah that's right <laughs> in cuneiform Mm -hmm. yeah and so we were chatting about it and um and all of a sudden he was like you know i I think it needs to be this other character instead and it was a very emotional moment for for both of us it was kind of like oh and then so that's what happened there um but you know i i'd say we were pretty pretty you know we were tracking on the same things Mm -hmm. throughout most of the book there was one time in like the second book I think it was Ted and I had very different schedules I was a night owl he Mm -hmm. tends to work during business hours during the day um and so I would we would discuss during the day and I would write at night and then I would sleep in the morning and then we would discuss later in the day and repeat and there was one time where we had discussed okay here's what's coming up this is what I'm going to write tonight and I when I was writing it though I was like ah you know, I just think it's going to go this direction and I'm, I'm going to, 
I'm going to kill somebody. And uh, I, I killed Trifon, actually. And I didn't say anything about it. I just sent it off to Ted the next day. And, like, later in the afternoon, I get this call. And he's like, what? You you killed Trifon. And I was like, yeah. You know, I didn't see it coming either. And he's like, you can't kill Trifon. That wasn't in the plan. And I was like, it was this time, man. Let him go. Let him go. And he was – so we ended up having to discuss it. Because, you know, sometimes when you're writing – things happen and you're like oh no oh no and you can just see that and i was like uh oh oh and so we ended up coming to a compromise on that one but um so every now and then there were these moments but um <laughs> yeah i think it makes those those best moments though where it's like oh even the person who was so inve- you know as invested in the story with you they didn't see it coming and, and, yeah. and if they don't see it coming, there's no way that the reader is going to see it coming either. Well, well, yeah. And I say this, too, all the time when I teach writing. You know, there's a difference. I mean, you can outline to your heart's content. There's a difference between the 30,000-foot view and, you know, like when you look down at a map in a video game versus when you're in the video game and you're down there and you're running through the alleys, boots on the ground. There's a huge difference. And when you're actually going through it, and so when you're writing, it's like being boots on the ground, like running through the alleys, things can jump out at you or things can happen where you're like, oh, this, you understand the, what is happening in the moment to moment of the story in a different way than you do when you're planning it. And so things happen in the creative process of writing that you can't plan for. And, and that's why, you know, I always tell people, you just got to get in there and you got to start writing. Um, because half the magic happens in there. Yeah. Um, these books came out, oh, 2011, I think, was Forbidden, or was it uh, later in 2010? Uh, and, and around that time. I want to say 11-ish, and then the other so two might have... 11, 12, and 13. Something like sounds, that. Sounds right to me, uh, because I remember being a little delayed in in reading Sovereign uh, because I was in the middle of moving from from Indiana uh, to Oklahoma during the time during that time um, so that's that's been a while ago we've brought that up a couple of different times here that we have both uh, aged gracefully during that time uh, how how has your writing how do you feel like your writing has changed from that time period that's really funny because, um, you know, I'd come in having written the story of Eve on this more kind of literary scale and Ted had come from, like I said, writing the um, serial killer thrillers. And and shortly after, I, I did write The Legend of Sheba, which is a historical novel, but then I started writing thrillers and he started writing biblical fiction. Know, so we kind of yes, went like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think... Um, I think all those things that, that that I took away from the books Immortals have really stayed with me in some way as I've gone into the thrillers. Um, I love the pacing of a good thriller. I just I love it, and I love really cranking up the action and the the, the tension to, to you know see how fast I can make it. Granted, you have to give the reader time to stop and <laughs> you know catch their breath every now yeah. and then, but. Um, I love it. Um, 
So um, that's kind of been the trajectory for me lately. Um, I wrote two duologies. I I haven't done a trilogy since uh, the book's Immortals, but I've done two duologies, the progeny and the line between. And um, so that's kind of been where I've, where I've been parked ever since after that historical I did right away, the legend of Sheba. Actually, um, Iscariot came out right in the middle or right after that too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right and I that. had been, yeah, I had started it before I started writing with Ted and then I finished it kind of in the middle there or, or after whatever. I ended up switching publishers during that time too for that book. So um, there was that also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I find it interesting that almost the first thing that Ted does after he writes this series with you is he goes <laughs> out and he just moves straight into biblical fiction. And um, I, I, I would guess that he probably has you as an inspiration to think for that because he said that he wanted I, to write it for a long time. And I don't know, did, did you push him over the edge for it? Was he talking uh, about it during this time? Uh, you know, he, I, he had talked about that story um, for pretty much the whole time we were writing together. So I, and you know, I, authors do that. And I, I do that too. I mean, they carry stories around and they know like, I got to do this at some point. So that was one he had been carrying around. Um, and we were both writing, I was doing the legend of Sheba. He was doing 80, 30 and they were both set in the Arabian Peninsula over there. Mm. So in a way it was, we were kind of launching off from a similar destination Um but yeah, I, I think he he had intended to do that. I think it was just a matter of time. So uh, tell me about there's was one there was one part of the books of mortals. And I know when we're talking about a trilogy, and we're trying mm-hmm. not to be too spoilerish. Uh, but again, these these aren't new books. Uh, there, there's a lot for of... 10 years almost. <laughs> Everybody should have read, read them by now. Okay. Yes. Yes. If you haven't, if you haven't <laughs> read them by you. now, that is your fault. Come on. Uh, that's on you. <laughs> yeah. You have plenty of time uh, in, in mm-hmm. this current moment. Go, go read them. They've given you years. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a lot of imagery of, um, of, of blood. Um, blood transfusions in particular um did that creep you out to write at all like no (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no i no i and i don't know if it's because i i don't know i grew up reading all kinds of stuff and vampire stuff and and Mm. no no (laughs) but you know like also when you come from, I mean, the Books of Mortals is an allegory mm-hmm. and with very strong Christian themes, you know, as anyone can see. And, and when you come out of the church background, blood is a very, um, it's, it's a major theme in, um, in Christianity. So, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember uh, talking with Kelsey and my wife about these books. And she, that was the hardest part of the books for her was any sort of anything doing with blood or veins. Or, so she's like, I just, you know, just, she's like, I'm reading it. And I'm like, oh, I, okay, all right. I'm next page, please. Uh, but, you know, it's very powerful imagery. Um, and if you're only familiar with the Circle Trilogy, it, it sort of um, 
similar to the the allegory for water uh, in that series is is kind of what blood is to this series, which I think makes a sort of interesting duology between you know blood and water and both themes being very scriptural, very biblical themes um, for salvation. And it, yeah, it is such a powerful allegory to say, you know, the life of the flesh is in the blood and to, um, to kind of see both that that played out and also, you know, a perversion of that uh, played out through the books. I won't get too specific so that uh, if you haven't, haven't read the books, then you're going to be intrigued as to what I mean by that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's such a, such a, interesting metaphor that, um, that that really strikes at the heart I guess, well, we're talking about blood really strikes the heart of what the story story is all about yeah you mentioned uh, you, you, you mentioned Kelsey, you guys got engaged during oh, we a did? That book we did. signing mm-hmm. for these books yeah yes. So I got to witness, and actually, we had a little heads up on that, and we actually, I think, had um, the opportunity to have a cake on hand, and like we had a whole, in like instant engagement party celebration. You you did you did so when yeah <laughs> when Ted told you hey these two people are going to get engaged at your book signing, um, <laughs> what what was your initial reaction to that? I was like right on. I I was like I. I will have a front row seat. I'll get to watch it. I was like, that's, that's awesome. So, yeah, yeah. that was, uh, that was, that was fun. That was actually would have been the book signing for Sovereign. Wouldn't it have? Was it? it? Was in okay. 2013. And I, Wait, no. I remember. Um, no, no, it would have been for Mortal. My you better timeline, get this my right. timeline is all, <laughs> my timeline is all off. Um, no, it would have been for Sovereign. It would have been for Sovereign. It was 2013. I can picture the interior of the bookstore, but I can't remember mm-hmm. what store it was. It what was store? a it was a Mardell in Oklahoma City. Okay. So yep. shout out to the Mardell of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, for uh, somehow procuring a cake, <laughs> which they did not know was going to be a part of their like book signing yeah. duties. That was um, that was fun, you know, because at that time too. I mean, I felt like, I mean, you Ted knew you guys longer than I did, but by then I felt like, you know, I knew you guys. We were a family, so it was just really exciting to watch and um, to watch you guys take that next step in your journey. So yeah, it was it was super it was fun. fun. It was it was one of those things crowded. where it, it had been, I'll say, it had been in the works for a while. Um, I had moved to Oklahoma where she was going to to school um probably something like three weeks before that um so it was like waiting on coming to oklahoma to to be in the same city and i don't recall i don't recall when the idea to have at the book signing started it was probably whenever i learned that you guys were going to be in oklahoma city and i i just uh, had, had emailed Ted and was like, okay, here's what I'd like to do. I really don't want to be an intrusion. Um, here's kind of my thoughts. And um, 
well, you know what ended up happening. He just stood up on a on yeah. a ladder and was like, "All right, everyone, Josh has something to say." He did not <laughs> tell me he was going to do this. Oh, seriously? I yeah, I I had no idea. Um, he he had basically just responded back and was like, "Sure, yeah, that'd be great." Um, you know, we'll get we'll make sure that it's, you know, and that was. <laughs> And, and then, and then I'm next thing I know, I'm just like, well, uh, this is this is how it's going. Um, <laughs> cool. How did you did you picture it going differently than oh, that, or know, how I did didn't you really know how I how I pictured it? I I kind of what I what I, I think actually how I how I had pictured it because I didn't want to be an intrusion into the book signing uh, was that while she was getting her book signed by the two of you, uh, then I would be behind her pulling the ring out. Um, like that was sort of my, my thought process and, um, yeah. that's fine that that didn't happen because the way that it happened was so much better and memorable. Um, uh, and there, there is video of it. So, uh, I, I may, I may just, I may just cut the interview for a second here and play that video for, for oh, awesome. for yeah, everyone. You should. And um, you actually, I think, also took some pictures of the event too of, of us. I did, Ted. and I want to say, I want to say it showed up in um, a news thing somewhere, like maybe one of the Christian news sources or something like that. It might have been, like, I think, I think, I think it showed up in a newsletter or something like hmm. that that you guys had gotten. In- Oh, yeah. I don't know if I ever saw that. So if you come across it again, you'll you'll have to. I have to dig around and see if yeah. I, I I think it might have been well, rushed to press or, or something like that. I'll have to look. Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was uh, it was a really fun time. It was definitely a uh, um and and now you know seven years later, two kids, um, you know, much much different life, but still still the the two of you are a big part of our lives. Um, you know, we wouldn't have met, we would not have met if not for Ted. He was the person who brought us together, um, through his books and it, there, there is literally not any other way that someone from two different states with, at that point, no other common commonalities whatsoever, uh, would have been brought together. So this was... Ted's journey and uh, your journey and our journey have just wonderfully, wonderfully interconnected and intersected for quite a long time now. Well, it's been so fun for me to just watch you guys with your growing family. And seriously, I mean, like, so you've been married for how many years now? Uh, Seven? Well, I I say seven years, uh, but we got married in December of 2013, so it's like it's six years. But every time the the year changes, and I just I do the yearly math, so we're always a year ahead. Of uh, it's it's wild. I I just it doesn't seem like that long ago to me, but it's really I just, that's one reason why I'm really grateful for social media to be able to just you know. You, I may not comment all the time, but I love watching the pictures of you and your kids and seeing what's going on um, in your household. So, yeah. Oh, thank you. And we love seeing seeing your updates as well, both in terms of books and oh. your life. <laughs> and our giant dog. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. A prominent yeah. feature, to be sure. <laughs> 
Um, one of the things that I, I kind of wanted to close out with is you have uh, you recently released some audiobooks. Some of your some of your books um, had not been in audio format before, and now they are. Um, and that's as of just a few months ago, right? It's been yeah, yep. Just this year, I mean, well, Demon was uh, December, mm-hmm. and um, Hava was January, and Sheba was February. So, I mean, really, in the last three months or so. So, so yeah, was, and that was a long time coming. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it, it's not, it, it, I, I don't think it's really very often that you see, you know, an, an author's like older books kind of get returned to in, in, in an audio format, usually sort of happens at the time of release or near the time of the initial release. So wh- what was the uh, impetus to go back to these and say, okay, we, we need to, to make audiobooks from them? Well, you know, I've been having requests for a long time. I have one fan, Ethan, I'm talking about you. I have one fan who's been asking since Demon came out. And Demon came out in 2007. So he's been asking for 13 years almost, you know, like, When's this coming out? And I'm like, I'm working on it because at some point, you know, here's the thing. Publishers may or may not release a book in audio. And, you know, Demon and Hava in particular have had three different publishers. Um, They are now with Simon & Schuster, the digital rights. But um, during that transition, they were never put out in audio book. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll produce them myself. I just never got around to it because you have to, you know, you have to audition the voice actors and you have to get it produced and all this stuff. And I never did. And finally, just out of the blue last year, uh, our business affairs manager wrote to me and said, oh, Tantor Audio wants to pick up uh, Demon and Hava. And I was like, great, because that means that they take care of all of that stuff and I don't have to manage that whole process. And so um, they picked him up and I said, by the way, the only remaining book I've got that is not out on audio is The Legend of Sheba. And they came back and said, we'll take that too. And I said, wonderful. So um, it had been over a decade, 12 years or something for Demon. And um, finally it came out. So I'm excited about that. And those books, you know, they're they're interesting because they've they've been picked up by three different publishers. The audio book rights have now been picked up by Tantor, so it's like they keep kind of getting renewed, and I'm really excited to have those out there. I'm excited for people who are, you know, who drive or commute or, you know, may not otherwise sit down and read a book, but may listen to one. And I listen to a lot of books, too, because I drive a lot, so I totally understand that. I'm excited for them to be able to listen to not just the story, but the great artistry of the voice artists who are reading it. Because I'll tell you what, that is an art, and um, they're fabulous. So I've been so excited um, about those releasing. Um, yeah. So um, <clears throat> I think I think your books really lend themselves to being read aloud. Um, like I said, we mentioned Hava. It's very very a very lyrical novel, very you know, prosaic. Um, Demon kind of not as much but kind of in that realm as well um audiobooks are interesting to me because i never i never really thought that i would like audiobooks and the reason why is because i can read faster than i can listen um but in in recent times and i I kind of started with nonfiction, 
where with nonfiction, especially memoir, uh, I could it felt more like a conversation. Um, so mm-hmm. books like Demon, a memoir, uh, or Hava, sort of fit that that not like genre to an extent and how the story is being told. So it really seems like it's a conversation, you know, back and forth. And it is so wonderful because now that I have kids, the time and the ability to actually open a book and read it, um, a, a physical copy of a book is my favorite way to experience a book, but it is also the most difficult way to, to experience a book. Um, and yeah. moving to the audio format, you know, I can just, I can set the Bluetooth speaker up, put it on the phone, and it's just, it's playing throughout the day while I go on about my life. And if my kids start to yell, I just turn the volume up a little louder so that they don't, <laughs> they don't drown things out. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's really um, taken off in the last few years. I mean, I think I mean, they've been there for a long time, but I think with downloading and, mm. you know, with the advent of, you know, the popularity of podcasts in particular, there are so many people who listen to podcasts who may not physically sit down and pick up a book, but because they are so audio, um, you know, audio, what's the word, like, oriented Mm -hmm. they may be more um likely to listen to a book and then again you know for people who are commuting i mean i i love being able to make use of that time in the car um and listen to anything from nonfiction to fiction and it's it's the way that i get to keep up with a lot of new new books Mm -hmm. all right so from that, we here at Life is Story, um, I say we're giving away. You're really giving away. We're just the conduit mm-hmm. through which the giving is happening. Uh, we're, we're giving away um, a few different, uh, well, a, a set of your audiobooks, all three of them. And yeah. then we're giving away one uh, individually to three different people. So four, four winners total in this contest, one grand prize winner who gets all three of them. And then three second prize winners who get one each. Um, what I thought we would do is, is that contest runs for a couple more days. And this this interview will, I'm going to try to get it up before that ends. Uh, but I wanted to go ahead and draw for one of the second place winners Yo. right now. So that here live on the podcast... Um, we're going to pick a winner, and if I can figure out how to do that, um, then then we'll do that. And if I can't figure out how to do that, then this whole section will just get edited out. <laughs> um, we have had somewhere in the realm of like 500 entries so far. Are you far. serious? Um, wow. Let's... So... Wow. We're going to do no it this idea. way. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking through the entries to make sure that maybe they're randomized uh, and not just like alphabetical or something. And I think I can... Okay, yeah, I can randomize it. And... Yeah. All right, now... How should we... 
how should we do this? Um, Scroll down and put your finger on one. Okay. Like a spinning wheel. Because if you pick a number, then you have to, like, between 1 and 500, you have to count down that many. And right, yeah. That could take yeah. Well, I mean, it's numbered here off to the side, so I could... Oh. I could do that. Oh, there you um, go. I just don't know that there are biases, you know, because who's going to pick number one? That just seems like... So that, that's not fair to the first person in the line. Um, right. But I can do this. You can do the random number generator. Yes, um... So we will, yeah, we will, we will probably edit some of this. I hadn't intended on doing this. This was like a, a thought that I had like three minutes ago. Um, all right, I have pulled them up in an Excel sheet, and that was fast. The other issue that I have is that there. Uh, I don't have everybody's real names. I just have email addresses. So I have oh. to make sure I pick someone. If I pick someone and they have an embarrassing email address, then I'm sorry, you don't win because you have an embarrassing email address and that's your fault. <laughs> Fine. That's your fault. All right. So Tosca, you you pick for me. Um, maybe, okay. uh, let's see, let, let's remove bias. If you can pull up a, a, a random number generator. And okay. it is between one and five hundred and thirty-five. Random number. One and five hundred and what? Thirty-five. Three hundred and sixty-four. Three hundred sixty-four. Okay, I gotta scroll down, to scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, and I feel like we're doing bingo. Bingo. Yes. Um. Okay. Cody Hopkins. Cody R. Hopkins. Um, I'm not gonna read your. Actually, I'm not going to read your whole email address out uh, on the podcast. Uh, but I can I can make your name out from from your email address. So Cody Hopkins, you are the winner of Tosca. Do you want to pick which one he gets? Uh, I how about favorite? since he's the first one he could pick? Or okay, all right. Yeah. Since he's the first one he yeah. gets to pick between Demon Hava and the Legend of Shiva. Yay! So, Cody, by the time this goes live, then um, I will have gotten in contact with you, and um, Tosca and I will send have sent over a download code. Yep. Tosca will send you your download code, and that is one of our winners. I'm gonna go ahead and check you off. So, bad news—you didn't win the grand prize, uh, but good news—you are our oh, first wow. winner. And but you get you get your pick. You get your pick of which one that you want. There you go. Um, so, and, um, there will be other, other giveaways. And, uh, if you haven't entered the giveaway yet, uh, we still have a grand prize and two other, two other to be determined, um, copies of, of Tosca's audiobooks left. 
All right, let's 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 finish with this, and this is the question that authors both love to hear and hate to hear, and um, oh. that's what do you what are you working on now? What do you what are you doing next? Now this is this is a little different for you because usually when I interview an author, they've just released a book, so to hear that, what are you doing next is almost like <laughs> I just did this thing, <laughs> like I did this yeah. one. <laughs> It's here. Uh, I, I, I spent so book. much time on it, but you know, yeah, this, this I, isn't during a normal release you know time. So you, you you've had some time now. <laughs> you've had some time to rest on your laurels from your from your last uh, book. Um, so but, come on, what's what what are you doing next? What what do you have for the no masses? mercy, man? No mercy. You, you're not giving me any slack here at all. Well, I I've got a book in the hopper that's actually finished, and it is with a new co-author. It is a historical. Um, it was one that was written uh, in between uh, a lull, and so we need to find a publisher for it. And I need to rewrite um, some sample chapters um, for the proposal. And my agent has been waiting on me to get to him for a few months. So um, that's what I should be doing during quarantine and I have actively been avoiding his phone calls. So um, that's what I'm working on. Also, there's another project in the works too. It's also a historical, it's a thriller, historical thriller. Um, and I'm excited about that one. We already have uh, TV interest in that. And um, I also need to, get sample chapters done i should be writing i'm, I'm supposed to be writing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. stuff so you're talking with me I, I know how it is well and i i'm really looking forward to organizing my new pantry because of home renovations so um but yeah i'm supposed to be writing stuff right now yeah i mean as yep. another writer <laughs> in isolation once said uh, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. So you do have to get out. <laughs> you do have to get out every once in a while. Um, otherwise, also, otherwise, I fear for your family. <laughs> well, you know, last year with two books re books released, I had a really aggressive schedule. I did over 50 appearances. So mm. actually what I've been doing a lot of um, since this whole thing kind of hit and we've been staying home is a lot of playing catch up and answering emails, some of which are really old. So if yours is one of them, I'm really sorry. I literally answered an email that was like a year old, but I hold on to them and I answer them all myself, but sometimes it takes a while. So. All right. Well, Tosca, thank you for, uh, for climbing out of your bunker, uh, <laughs> to, to be on the podcast, uh, our debut video podcast again fingers crossed that everything worked out uh well with that uh, and um so we really appreciate you and your time and your books and uh, everything that you have brought to to my life personally and to the lives of you know your your millions and millions of readers and we won't <laughs> count them all but i'm sure that's the around the correct number right well, I hope so. <laughs> that would be fine. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for continuing this podcast. And I just want to say thank you, Josh, for always being so vested in and supporting the careers and the books of authors like me and helping to spread the word about the stories that we're writing and to share them with other readers. So um, thank you truly, because that is that is such an important part of of our jobs. And so thank you for helping us with that.